0: Thank you for tuning in to our North Point Community Church Podcast. Wherever you are in your faith journey, we pray that as you listen to this message, you will be encouraged and empowered. If you would like more information about our community, visit our website at ncc.team. Hey, y'all can definitely have a seat, have a seat. You guys look so good today, but uh, hey, we're just going to jump right in, but I'm just so grateful and so honored that Pastor Philip and Destiny lets me come up here on stage and talk to you for like three hours. This is going to be just so much fun. I'm just kidding. We're going to keep it to an hour and 45 minutes. Anyways, um, but one thing that Pastor Philip had asked me to expand me, just the things that I have learned this year and how it has expanded me, and there are, I mean, a million of things, okay? There's so many things, so I had to bring it down. But I'm really excited to talk to you. And I pray that you're encouraged and that you just, that we have fun tonight. Are you ready to have some fun? Come on. Well, we're just going to jump right in. You don't have to turn there, but you can just look at our Sky Bible, which, by the way, production team, shout out to you. Woo-woo! They make all of this happen, and uh, they're the best, really. So we're going to read from Genesis 15.1, and it reads, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram, soon to be Abraham, in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for what you're going to do tonight. I thank you, God, that you are already here. God, I pray that we open up our eyes, God, to see what you want us to see and our hearts to receive what you have for us, God. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Well, have you guys ever been in a part of a friendship or relationship or whatever that's kind of like one-sided? Nobody? Yeah, if you're with me, can you just wave at me? Okay, I see you, Miss Vicky, waving at me. You know, those people that just don't meet their end of the bargain. And so about three weeks ago... I went home, which is Miami, and I went to go visit my family, and it was about 10 p.m. when I landed, and the tradition with me and my dad is that we go eat at one of my favorite spots once he picks me up from the airport. No matter what time it is, it's Miami. There's something open at 1 a.m., 2 a.m. It does not matter. For some of you, y'all are like, at 1 a.m., I'm having, like, dream number 45, but that's how Miami is, and so we went to this place called Casolas, which is actually just subs and pizza and you know sandwiches which are subs and uh, salads and um, I walked in and it was packed and it was like 11 p.m. and I was like this is my kind of party like night owls here we are together again and I walked in there and everyone now this was during the world cup and so everyone was dressed in their jersey you know we had people from Uruguay, Colombia they were all there my dad just turned and looked at me and he told me I hope this reminds you of the football that actually matters to the world. And I just started laughing cuz I was like, "Oh man, I live with a coach, you know, Philip and Destiny. I don't think he agrees with that, but whatever." And so he just told me that, but as we were there, he just started telling me stories just about me when I was a kid, and if you really know me, you can imagine, my stories are a little bit wild, you know? But I was that kid that whenever we went to the beach, my dad says that I just loved the water so much that I was that child that would never give them the time to put their stuff down. Like, they couldn't get there to the sand, pick a spot, put the blanket down and the cooler and the umbrella, all this stuff. He just says that I would just start running, like taking off my shoes, throwing my clothes. Everyone be like, it's time to be a mermaid. And I would just rush to the ocean. And, and yeah, I had a very great imagination. As you can see, I really believe that I would turn into a mermaid if I touched the water. Hello, little mermaid. Anybody? No? Okay. And so I and so after a couple of experiences like that there were a couple my mom and dad just decided to stick me into swimming lessons and I was like yes I'm tired of being slowed down by floaties and so we went to these swimming lessons and I was probably one of the young ones and the older ones were probably like I don't know like 9 8 I was probably like 5 my dad isn't great with details so he just told me you were just the youngest one there and I remember I just stuck with this one lady. We're going to call her Miranda because I don't remember her name. But what I do remember is the lime green one-piece bathing suit that she had. Okay. And she was the girl every time that we arrived to the lessons I'd be like, I'm going with Miranda. And I would just cling to her. And I would say that I was a great student. I did everything they asked me to do. Kick your legs. There I was kicking my legs. Move your arms. There I was moving my arms. The only problem was that I would hold on to something all the time. So like, kick your legs. I was literally holding Miranda. and like, kicking my legs. Move your arms. I was holding her with my feet and trying to move my arms. And so it finally came to the last day. And the last day was that you jump off the diving board and then there you're really going to be tested if you actually know how to swim because, you know, you got to move your feet and your legs to get back up in the water. And so I remember being in line and my dad says that he was looking from a distance and that I kept just looking over and having people skip me. And I was like, dad, I just wanted to make sure that people actually came up the water after they jumped. So I let him practically the whole class skipped me until so there was one person left that I was like it's my time and so I went up to the front and I said I want Miranda to catch me I don't want nobody else because I don't trust none of y'all and so I told Miranda I literally did this here I mean I was five what kind of a kid was I and I was like you better catch me once I touch that water and she said of course and so I put my goggles held my nose I jumped in the water, and I and I literally stayed like this because I was waiting for her to catch me. So I look up, and she's just looking over me, and so I actually started moving my legs, moving my arms, and I got up the water. And when I got up, I was like, you didn't catch me when you were supposed to catch me. And she was like, but I did catch you, just not when you wanted me to catch you, but I grabbed you as you were coming up. And you know... I kid you not, it almost took a year before I actually jumped off of a diving board again because I just didn't trust nobody anymore to catch me if I went in. Talk about trust issues, but, anyways. <laughs> and you know, I look around this room and I see pretty much a lot of grown ups here. In order to be considered a grown up, you had to grow up. And some of you have probably gone through those experiences where someone promises you something, but they don't meet the end of the bargain when you want them to right sometimes it takes a while and if you're human like I am I've had these moments with God where I do everything that I'm exactly everything that I'm supposed to do pray believe but yet he promised me something but it doesn't happen when I want it to happen When we pray for that friend to get saved and we get the promise that they will be saved or we pray for somebody to get healed and we believe that God's our healer, but yet it's not when you want it to happen. And right now in this story, I think that Abram is somebody that perfectly shows us what it looks like and went through that. God, you promised me a radical promise, but yet it took such a long time for him to receive that. Are you guys with me? And so Abraham, Abram, Abraham, they're the same person. So if I say Abram, Abraham, they're the same person. I just wanted to clarify that. But uh, (laughs) hey, Mr. Ray, I love it because Mr. Ray, you could always hear him laugh or say, come on now. It's my favorite thing. But Abraham stands out as a landmark in the spiritual history of the world. He was a normal guy. And when you read commentaries about him, he was a son of heathens. So he was a normal guy because his parents and they grew up as idol worshipers. But yet he was called by God. There was nothing distinct about him. He was called and it was all by grace. And God called him at the age of 75 to leave certainty. And he called him to leave what he knew and just go to a land that he will show him. Now, if you're like me, you're like, let's pack our bags and let's go. This is an adventure. I am ready. But then there's some of you in this room that you're biting your nails because you're like, I don't even know how many underwear I need to pack, how many shirts I need to pack, what kind of shoes do I need for this? But what's crazy is that... You fast forward to chapter 15, and you know, he already left where he was supposed to leave with his his wife. And then he starts saying, and then you hear God say, don't be afraid because I'll be your shield. Don't be afraid. And Abram's like, what's the point of you blessing me if I still don't even have a son? My heir is going to be the servant of my house. The custom of back then was if you were to die and you didn't have a son, then your eldest um, servant will be the heir. And so Abram was just like, what's the point? of all of these promises what is the point of all of these things if I still don't even have a son and then God was like this kid he was just like Abram no 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 your heir will not be your servant but your heir will be your own child I'm gonna give you a child And then God takes him out, and they have kind of like a Simba and Mufasa moment where he's like, look at the sky. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Lion King is like one of my favorite movies. He's like, look at the sky and count the stars if you can. That will be the number of your descendants. But you know what? Abram and Sarah didn't get their promise the next week or the next month, or the next year. They actually had to wait 25 years to get their promise, their son. Okay, Abraham and Sarah, Abraham was 100 when he had his first son, and Sarah was 91. I don't know about y'all, but that's wild. You know what I mean? That is crazy. And so some of the lessons that That I've learned this year, and we see it perfectly through this story, is that one, God's promises will come to pass, but not in the way that you expect it to. God's way of making a promise happen never makes sense. And I think that some of us already know that in this room, that God sometimes promises us things, but the way how he makes it happens, it never makes sense. Some of us are like, God, I do not like your strategy. I want details. I want facts. I want to know when am I going to have this baby? You know what I mean? But the truth is that God doesn't do it like that. And I think that God doesn't do it like that for a purpose. Because he wants you, in that season of waiting, to grow intentionally. In that season of waiting, he wants you to call on him. In that season of waiting, he wants you to build your faith. But sometimes it's so difficult. And what happens in our seasons of waiting is that we begin to doubt. We begin to fear. And we begin to just question if God is actually working. And I think that in these seasons, it's so important that we learn how to respond. And one thing and one way that we can respond is that we need to learn to evaluate our lives in the identity of God. What does that mean? The beginning of this scripture. The beginning of this verse, it begins with, do not be afraid. I am your shield, and I am your greatest reward. And I love it, and I was reading it, and I was like, why would, why would he say that first? You know what I mean? Like, why would he say that first? And it's so interesting that God points to his identity before Abram began to doubt before he began to say what's the point of what's the point of having all these blessings if i still don't have an heir what's the point of all of this if i still don't have a son but god had already given him the identity of who he was he was a shield he was his greatest reward god will tell you what he's going to do but not how he is going to do it right it happens so many times. And in those moments, you need to learn. Man, I might not know what's happening right now, but I do know this: that God is my shield. God is my protector. God is my provider. And God is my prize. I just gave you three P's, Mr. I mean, I feel like Coach Phillip will be so proud of me and he'll be like, that's right, girl. And so we need to learn. We need to learn. Well, we're in these moments. You can't trust two things at one time. So will you trust your perception or will you trust God? And this is what happens when you filter your reality through your perception. You walk in fear. You walk defeated. It comes to a point where you're just like, what's the point of my life? What is my purpose here? What am I doing Just being over there. Sometimes we think, man, just doing the little things, stacking chairs, clicking a button. What's the point of that? You you get a little bit mean too, right? Because it's your own problem. I mean, I've been there before where I've forgotten all about who Jesus is. And I just keep it on my own perception. I get a little mean, unforgiving, and all that stuff. But what happens when you filter your reality through the identity of God? You begin to claim yourself for who you are. I am a child of God. I am loved, adored, and accepted by my Father in heaven. What happens when you remember the identity of God? You begin to remember that he is for you. He is with you. He will never forsake you. He fought for you. He already won the battle. Therefore, you win. What is next is greater than what is now. And that's what you need to know when your seasons of waiting and your seasons when you begin to doubt. What is next is greater than what is now. And I think that, you know, as, as we look at that and when you remember who God is, then you will learn that you can face anything that is happening to you and you will not be defeated. And you can learn that no weapon formed against you shall prosper because if God says who he is, and you have already won. You're already winning this battle, baby. So just go ahead and see your reality through the eyes of God and through his identity. And I think it's so important. Here's lesson number, I think, five. I don't know. I have so many lessons that I've learned. But you need to understand, too, that fear is a choice. The same way that fear, that faith is. You see, the first thing that God tells Abram is do not be afraid. God doesn't ask things of you that you cannot do. This is, you know, a lot of times we think that fear overtakes us and that it's a noun, that we forget that it's actually a verb. That you can end your fear by beginning your faith. Fear ends where faith begins, and what does that look like when you see fear coming, when you see your doubts coming? This is your opportunity to be like, you know what, I'm going to choose faith right now. I'm going to choose to believe that God is with me. I'm going to choose to believe that God is for me. And some of you might think that's impossible. My Goliath is fear. It has overtaken me. How is that possible? If you would have met me probably two years ago when I first moved here, all you would have seen is fear. I would have never gotten up on stage to even do a welcome. Oh, no, 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 no. I would have never gone and opened a door to smile to somebody and tell them about Jesus. I would have never traveled to Madagascar for crying out loud to go and do outreaches that include dancing and acting and all these things. I would have never done it. But there came a point where I chose. My fear is going to end here, and my faith is about to begin, and you can do it as well. And so what happens When doubt begins to play in your heart while you're in this season, how do you defeat that fear and how do you defeat that doubt? You stay. You stay. We can choose to stay. Many times when the doubt comes, we choose to leave our communities. We choose to leave our serve teams. We choose to even leave our church. Because all your perception is all the pain, all the hurt, and the fear, and the doubt. You know, I used to struggle with the thought that if I doubted, that I would be condemned. I was like, oh my gosh, if I doubt, Jesus is not going to love me anymore. That's literally what my mindset was because I grew up very, very legalistic. And it wasn't until I moved here that God spoke to me and just told me, hey, the enemy of faith. Is not doubt, but it's certainty. When there is doubt, that is your opportunity to rise and choose faith over your fears. So I encourage you today if you feel doubt in your life, don't be defeated by it. But stand and see it as an opportunity for you to say, this is my moment where I'm going to choose God. This is my moment where I'm going to choose faith. Are y'all with me? I just heard someone say always. (laughs) Hey, I know you got my back, whoever you are. (laughs) So the real enemy of faith is certainty. And if you and if you really think about it, Hebrews 11, 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I don't think that there's anything that's certain there. You know what I mean? And that's what faith is. And I think that this is why God has his moments where he has those moments where we begin to doubt. Because he wants to build your faith. Because what he wants to do through you is bigger than what you can ever imagine dream or think so when the doubts come your way hey take it as your chance to have faith and our job is never to understand God but our goal in life should always be to trust him because if you keep trying to understand number one you're, you're never gonna understand so you're gonna like I don't know, just kill yourself trying to figure out what is God doing? Why is he doing it this way? But why this little detail? Why am I here right now? There's no point to that. That's not the goal of your life. The goal of your life should be to trust him. In Proverbs, it says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. And when you begin to learn how to choose faith in those moments, that's the moment when you will believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. You can't doubt what God told you on the shore when you're in the storm. You can't doubt what God told you on the mountaintop when you're in the valley. You got to choose to believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. And as we continue reading this story, which is chapter 15, y'all can go ahead and read it for yourself. I'm just going to give you a little synopsis of it. But in chapter 15, what happens is that Abram was like, hey, God, I want a sign. I want a sign to know and to be sure that you're going to make what you said happen. And so God's like, well, go pick up some animals. If you want the specific animals, you could read it in chapter 15. All I know is that there was like a three-year-old heifer and some birds and then other stuff. And so God asked him to align these animals, right? So he needed to cut them in half, gross, and then align them, right? And then in the middle would be a bloodbath. And so what happens is when you're about to make a covenant, back in the days, I mean, they just wouldn't spit in their hands and shake it or like sign a contract. They would actually have to kill animals and together you guys would have to walk on the blood, That's kind of gross, right? I thank God that I could just sign or be like, hey, cross my heart, pinky promise. I'm going to make this deal happen. And so Abram did exactly that. And then it says that the vultures came, and so Abram had to shoo away shoo, shoo, all of the the vultures that were coming to eat the animals that he had placed because he was about to make a covenant with God. And practically, when both of the animals are split like that, it's kind of saying, if I don't meet the end of my bargain, may I be split in two. That's intense, okay? Number one, that's super intense. If you were ever back in the days, I hope, man, that your goal was to keep your bargain because that's terrible, be split in two. And so what happened was that, okay, he had to shoo the vultures, right, Do shoo them away. And then he got sleepy. He got tired. And so I can imagine that after God told him to do that, God took a while, right, because he had to shoo the vultures. And then he got sleepy. Now, I get sleepy when I have to wait a long time for something. I don't know about you. And so, again, God takes a while. He tells him, hey, go do this. Go move. Abram did what he was supposed to do, but God didn't respond right then and there. So what happens is that Abram falls asleep. I mean, he was tired. He wanted to snooze for a little bit. So he went ahead and he snoozed, right? You can read it it in chapter 15. And everything was set. And then the scripture says that there was a terror and a darkness that laid over the land. Abram was about to make an oath and was about to make a bargain that he himself could not keep. That's crazy. And so what happens in his sleep is that God gives him a vision. God's covenant with Abraham with Abraham was serious. and to confirm his promise, God gave Abraham a sign. It was the smoking firepot and flaming torch. And what happened was that it burned in between the carcasses. And so it passed through the blood. And that was God's sign to Abram. I am your shield. I am your protector. I am your promise, your greatest promise. And so God made that covenant with himself because he knew that Abram wouldn't be able to meet his end of the bargain. But he did that with Abram to show him and assure him and give him a sign. Hey, I'm going to make this happen. And if you read in in one of the gospels, there was also another day where there was darkness on the land and blood was shed. And it was the blood of Jesus on that cross. And in that moment, that was God making a covenant with himself through Jesus for us. So that when we are walking in doubt, when we're in the seasons of waiting, you can stand sure and say, he is my prize. He is my protector. He is everything that I am not. And I don't know about you, but I am so encouraged by that. To know that when I think that God is sleeping, he has already done the work. To think that when I think that he's sleeping, he's working. And as I sleep, he is working as well. And I'm just going to tell you a little story, which is crazy. As I was reading this, number one, and I was writing this sermon, I just started boo-hoo crying. Because I was like, wow, God is so faithful. God is so faithful, and Jesus is our greatest prize, right? And so I was writing this sermon, and I just started thinking, just like Clarissa was saying, man, I was so blind when I first got here to Shreveport. I had grown up in the church, but my God, did I not know that Jesus was such a prize? I didn't know it. I didn't know that I had control over my fears. I didn't know that I had control over my doubts. That for about the first year that I was here, and this past year too, I dealt so much with anxiety. It was really real, y'all. I would wake up and I would have so much like sometimes just so much pain like on my neck because I just started questioning. I started seeing my reality through my perception and I started saying, what's the point of me moving to Shreveport? God, what am I doing here? Oh my goodness, like how, you know, I was living in a big city and I felt God move and so felt God ask me to move and so I moved. But here I am. What am I doing? And it came to a point where I was even not, you know, when I was doubting, I wasn't even staying. I would suffer in silence. I would hide until one day Destiny D's came at me. She was like, hey, 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 hey. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm in trouble. (laughs) And she told me this, you do not suffer in silence. We fight this together. And since that day, I made the decision. I will not let fear take over who I am meant to be and who God has called me to be. And so, man, I've just had to learn you got to fight it and bump it. you got to bump it and fight it, bump it and fight it. When it comes, you bump it and you fight it. But, you know, I've been fighting through that this whole entire year. In my, and our staff and our team, they know. They know the fears. They know the anxieties. And I will tell you this, I was, I've been fighting it this year, and I've chosen to say, you know what, God, when I feel like I don't know what I'm doing, I know that you're working. I decided to keep my eyes on Jesus, and out of nowhere this year, I believe it was in April, I have the opportunity this summer to leave the country for a year, which is wild. I'll be leaving to Sweden in two weeks, yes, in two weeks, I'll be leaving for a year. And I, and as I was writing this sermon, you know, time is coming up close. I don't leave this, I don't leave this Saturday, but I leave the next one. And so I was I started getting panicky again. And I started fearing again and anxiety right here the back room and I was like oh my gosh I'm leaving the country what am I doing with my life my parents probably think I'm crazy because I move everywhere (laughs) you know I went from Miami to Lakeland to North Carolina to Shreveport and I'm going all the way to Sweden oh my goodness this is stressing me out and I was sitting back there and I was like God like how are we gonna do this like how is this possible and in that moment I was like you know what I'm not going back to the same cycle anymore. I'm going to fight this. And I put my worship music on, and Philip Bussie walked in, and I was, like, wiping my tears very fast, like, nothing's happening back here. (laughs) And once he left, I went back, and I said, you know what, God? I might be scared to take this step, but I know that you're with me because you are my shield. You are my provider, and you're my greatest prize. And as I kept on writing my sermon, I got this Venmo notification. Now, for all of y'all who don't know what Venmo is or don't have Venmo, Matt Tidwell, um, it is this app where you get to transfer money to one another. It's the best thing in the world. I leave my credit card everywhere, so I'm like, I'll Venmo you for my burger, and it just works out. It's perfect. And I get this notification from Venmo of $200, followed with a text saying, hey, I just felt the Spirit lead me to bless you. And to let you know and to assure you that he will always have your back and he's always gonna be your provider. Like what? That is crazy. And the, our wonderful piano player can come up and start playing the piano. It's probably Philip Bussy. There he goes. Give it up for Philip. But that's crazy. And here's the thing that's what God wants you to know, no matter what you're going through. He'll be your protector, he'll be your provider, and he will be your greatest prize. And I just want to end with this. In Romans 4, it reads, if Abraham, by what he did for God, got God to approve him, he could certainly have taken credit for it. But the story we're given is a God story, not an Abraham story. Abraham's life was only able to be a God story because he took the first step. And that first step was to leave certainty. That first step was to leave everything that he knew. That first step was to leave what was his comfort zone. That was his step to expansion. My first step to expansion, I truly believe, is the day that I arrived here without even knowing anybody. I'm not kidding, I did not know one person. I only met Destiny once before I moved here. I'm telling you, my parents have probably stressed with me. <laughs> but that first step changed my life forever. It was my step to expansion. But what about you that are sitting here in these seats? You're meant to live a God story. That's what God created you for. He wants to do miracles through you. He wants to take you to places that you've never known and you've never seen. But have you taken that first step? And yeah, the first step is scary, but he's your shield. He's your provider. He is your greatest prize. And some of you in this room are like, Jenny, but I'm staying in Shreveport. How do I take that first step? Like how do I start walking in in the season of expansion? How do I do that? For some of you, it might be to start practicing declarations every morning. And we got one that we say here every Sunday. You can start with that. For some of you, it might be committing to bringing your children to church every Sunday, no matter what. For some of you, it might be you know what, I'm going to stop with my perception and I'm going to start filtering my life through the identity of God. Some of you is just getting out of your comfort zone. Stop being so comfortable, being comfortable. Move, because I believe that when you move, that's when God begins to do a work in your life. The first step is always scary. But he is your provider. He is your greatest prize. He's your protector. And if we could just stand up to our feet. Are y'all still with me? Come on. (laughs) You know, another way, and I just thought about it right now, that we can expand. Maybe some of you have never fasted before. Because you don't like the thought of giving chocolate to God for 21 days. So you don't like the fa- or the thought of giving coffee for 21 days. I've done that before and it was hard, but it was worth it. Well, hey, this Sunday we're starting a fast. And you can jump right in and you could come to prayer every single night. Because I will promise you that it will change you. And it would do a work inside of you. And with every eye closed. If you're in this room and you just know that you let fear overtake you and doubt, or if you're in this room and you're saying, man, I'm living a me story right now. I want to live a God story. I want God to do the impossible through me. If you're in this room And you're saying, I want to take that next step, but I'm so scared. Can you just shoot up your hand? I just want to pray for you. I see you. I just want to pray for you. God, I thank you for every person in this room, God. God, I thank you that you have a plan
1: and that you have a
0: purpose for every single person. And God, I pray that as of today, God, we choose to believe fully in who you are. We choose, God, to let our faith begin and our fear to die. God, today we choose, God, to call on your name instead of our fears, God. God, I pray that every person in this room, God, even if they are afraid, today will be the day that they will take that first step their step to expansion, their step to a life more abundant. God, I pray that today is the day, and I pray that they will see the fruit, God, that they will always be reminded that you are their protector, you are their provider, and you are at their greatest prize. Here at North Point Community Church, we believe in creating Christ-centered, culture-changing community through the message of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for your support. If you would like more information, you can visit our website at ncc.team or follow us on any social media platform at ccnorthpoint.